following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. This morning's message is titled, All In. And my question is, are you all in? You know, Jesus wasn't looking for fickle followers. In fact, he tries to weed them out. If you really look at his ministry, you know, he, he wants people that are sincere and following him. And he, he doesn't pull any punches. He wants you to count the cost. He wants you to realize that the kingdom of God and, and this relationship with him is the pearl of great price. It is, a, it, is a, it is worth selling everything for in order to have and giving everything for in order to know. And so this is the call of Christ. I mean, I think sometimes the, it's been watered down and washed down to say, you know, just it's a, you know, it's fire insurance and the forgiveness of your sins. Yes, it is that. But it's so much more. Now, for those that have made that great exchange, is it worth it? Would you do it again? Every time? Absolutely. Unequivocally, right? Like, I mean, it, it, it's worth it, right? But, but, but man, is it a road mark with suffering? Is it harder to, to follow? Is it a narrow path? Right? I mean, filled with conviction and guidance and direction that leads us to a hope and a peace that passes all understanding, to a love that's beyond our comprehension, that satisfies our souls and makes us agents of that very love to those around us. That is glorious. And it satisfies us in the ways that nothing in this world... What is, what is Solomon after tasting everything... I mean, this poor guy had a thousand wives and concubines. Like, I mean, like it, he tasted it all. He said it was like chasing after the wind. He said it was all meaningless. He said the full duty of man is this, is to fear God and obey his word. Like that's, that's the deal at the end of the day. And can we not take him at his word? I mean, this, is the, this guy had, had everything the world had to offer. And he said, man, it, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's purposelessness. And, and there's a hunger. At the end of our time together, I'm going to read about a, a, a young man that had a, a lot of money. It, said, it says in the scripture, exceedingly wealthy, right? Rich. And he was even a ruler, great influence. The three things the world kind of says is, is where it's at, the success uh, uh, ingredients, you know? Young, rich, ruler, Right? And yet he comes knowing he's got lack and emptiness. There's something missing. And he, he knows it as well as Jesus. And he says, what must I do? Man, how many people are in that same boat going, what do I have to do to fix this emptiness? Do I have to drink enough things? Do I have to smoke enough stuff? Do I have to sleep with enough? I mean, like... Those seem to be the worldly approach to the answers to this, to this emptiness. Like, will someone love me? And there's a God that loves you beyond your comprehension, that is reaching out his heart to us on a regular basis to say, and invites us in, right into his heart, into his life. Let me remind us of the passages that, that Fred did such a marvelous job of unpacking and then have some questions for you. This is Luke chapter nine, eighteen to 20. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others, 
that one of the prophets of old has returned. Matthew actually says Jeremiah. That's what some had believed. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you're the Christ of God. You're the one. You know, we're reading just a little bit that Peter, I mean, Jesus affirms his answer and says, you got it right. And, 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 and you didn't get that out of your head or anybody else's head. That didn't come from flesh and bone. That's, that's my father that has revealed that to you. We're going to talk about that. But no one in the crowd knew who he was. Did you catch that? Nobody got it right. Everybody that, and these are people that saw miracles, children brought back to them. I mean, like miracles. And nobody has, 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 has tagged him for who he really is. Do you, and then he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Isn't that the ultimate question? I mean, at the end of the day, it's depart from me for I did not know you. That word means like intimate knowledge of, like even intimate. I mean, it says in the Old Testament, like Adam knew Eve, talking about intimacy, like sexual intimacy. Like there's intimacy here. So this is exactly what he has been trying to show them. He showed them that he had authority over the winds and the waves, over death, over sickness. I mean, he's shown them who he is over demons. Like he has been unpacking this for the boys for, for weeks now, and then he asked them this pertinent question that really brings the rubber to the road is, who do you say that I am? Well, I have a question for you this morning. Well, you know, it's interesting first that Peter gets the answer right. I mean, he knows his name, but he has not a clue about his identity. If you think about it, I mean, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you kind of a correlation like you might say, I mean, you know, Donald Trump's name, but do you know him? Do you really know his heart and identity? I mean, he's a public figure, so maybe, you know, some things. But but I, mean, I don't know about you, but I, I've been I've had I've heard people talk about me pro and con and both are probably valid. But like but but in some cases, people have spoken of me and and I'm going Based on what you say, you don't even know me. You, you might know my name, but you don't know me. You ever had that experience? And this is what's going on here with Jesus. Peter, Peter gets it right as far as who he is in the, in, the, in the Old Testament context of things. You're the Son of Man. You're the Son of God. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Anointed One, right? But th- he has no idea what the suffering servant has come to do. And he's his disciple, and there's implications for that. So Peter gets it right and still doesn't know who he is. So who do you say he is? Who's Jesus? I I want you, uh, just for a second here this morning, as we continue to worship together, because I believe this this is an act of worship, like, I want you, I want you to imagine someone comes up to you in a common context in your life, a coworker, you know, comes up to you and says, who's, who's this Jesus you, you seem to love and worship? I want you to give me just a, a bang statement. How would you, how would you, who's Jesus? Son of God, my Lord and Savior. My risen Savior. 
King of kings, Lord of lords. What else? Prince of peace. He's my purpose. He's my everything. He's my life. He's my hope. What else? He's my friend. He's the light of the world. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's my redeemer. Lover of my soul. Ransom of my heart. Counselor. My king. Prince of peace. Right? And, and here's the thing. Those, what, where do you come up with that concept? Through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, right? But like along the way, we can have some concepts that are based on our experiences or maybe church teaching or t- tradition, right? And so I started to ask myself as I was preparing for this, well, I mean, I, 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 I wanted to move, I mean, I was going to move on to the transfiguration, which is the next se- segment in this, in this series in Luke. But the Lord wouldn't permit me. Like it was like, we, gotta, we got more to unpack here. And so I was, I was asking the question uh, constantly at men's fellowship, everywhere, you know, like, like, who do we say he is? Isn't that what, that, that, that's where it's at. That's, that's, that's it. I mean, like, but if we don't get that right, we're, it's not it. Right? We've got to get that right. And so where do we go to get that right? We go to his word. So then what I said is, you know what I'm going to start? I'm going to start by going to his word, and I'm going to let the word tell me who he is. Because that's ideal. Listen, this is the result of that. He is the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. He is the beloved Son of God sent to demonstrate the Father's love. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the only way to the Father. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He is the heir of all things. He upholds the universe by His power. He is our sure foundation. He has made purification for our sins. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our living hope. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is our Redeemer. He paid our debt in full. In full. All things were created through Him and for Him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the church, the body of Christ. He is the firstborn from among the dead. In Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He he has reconciled us to Himself by His death, making peace by the blood of His cross. And the list goes on. This is by no means comprehensive. And, and so we let the word of, what does that do for your soul as you are, are reminded of who he is? Do, 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 we, do, we, do we realize how awesome he is? And, and doesn't it bring us into a posture of just worship and awe, right? And, and it seems that this is, is someone that the Father can reveal to us. And if you think about it, like we're going to read this text here, and it, in Matthew it says that the Father reveals this, and that's the only way that you're going to get this, right? And, and I thought about that, and I'm like, who better to tell us about his son than the Father, right? But have you ever thought about it, that, that if, if we're really going to, get, if we're going to ever get to know who Jesus is, it's the Father that we're told. Jesus said, listen to what Matthew 16, 17 says. This is the same 
event from a different um, perspective. Matthew's perspective says, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Anytime you see Bar, that means son of. And Jonah and John are synonymous. So sometimes you'll hear, you know, Simon, son of John. But that's what that means. For flesh and blood, in other words, you or nobody else that's mortal has, has revealed this to you. Um, but my Father who is in heaven. Do you know that, that that's what's required for anybody to be saved? We've got to see him. We've got to acknowledge him as Lord. We've got to humble ourselves before his holiness and acknowledge like Peter did. I'm a sinful man. I, I don't I can't even be in your presence. And 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 this is the work of the father. Right. So the, the, the obvious question is how how does God think about this? How does God reveal his son to us? By his spirit. Through his word. Right? That's what, the, that's what the scriptures tell us. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Right? Like, we're, we're told these things. And so, like, w- what must we do to continue? Like, do you think that you underestimate this Jesus? Right now, today. I think we all do. I think he's bigger than we ever give him credit for. And so, our pursuit of him is an ever-ending journey of the, of the work of the Holy Spirit to impart his son and the work of, of the scriptures to impart faith in his son. Right? Trust in his son. And, 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 and guys, it's a supernatural thing. It's the father doing this work of showing us, like the father's showing us his son. That's what we're told here. Like, like you can't get it from man. It doesn't come from flesh and blood. My father has to reveal this truth to you. And yet, Peter still doesn't understand the identity of him. And, and neither do we, I believe. Like, I believe that's a journey with the Holy Spirit that we call sanctification. I believe it's a growing understanding of his word. And we grow up to understand who he is. And what does that do? It changes him or me. Right? That's what it does. It, it conforms us to his image. And guys, it's not even like we, we, you know, what do we do to earn salvation? And we always think of that as justification. Nothing. He did it. How, what do we do to earn justification? I mean, uh, sanctification, which is the growing into his image. Nothing. Like it is, it is simply the same thing. Seeking him, trusting him, believing in him. Like even even the, the saint, mature at whatever level, needs to continue to seek after him with all of your heart, to dwell, to rest in him, to trust in him, to sit at his feet, to abide in him, to draw near, to rest in his presence, his power, his goodness, his love. But we need to devour the scriptures. Do you hear me? Like we need to be people that are just, we never get enough of his word. That it's just, we're just digging in because we know that in these words is life, is hope, is peace, is Jesus. Right? Like this is where God reveals his son to us. The father reveals the son to us. And here's the key that this is what the scriptures tell us to do. Ask him. Guys, have you ever, has this ever been your prayer? Father, show me the son. Has that ever been your prayer? That is a good prayer. 
Father, show me Jesus. You know, it's the same prayer that Moses prayed at Mount Sinai when he said, show me your glory. Because you know what the glory of God is? His son. Do you know what was created on day one? Light. Not the sun and the moon, day three. Light. You know who the light of the world is? Jesus. In the beginning was the word. Right? That's it. So ask him, show me your glory. Show me your son. Like this is a prayer that he loves to answer. And then we find the answers in that on our knees and in his word. That's where he reveals those things. We are also, oh, and in community. It's so critical. We, we glean these things by the Holy Spirit in tangible ways. How else do we experience the Spirit's tangible work? In community. Where do you get encouragement? Where do you get love? Where do you, in community. But don't you also get truth and inspiration and those things amongst one another as we gather together? That's why we can't neglect the gathering of the saints. It's necessary. Man, Jesus, did, listen, Jesus didn't have to do what he did, any of it. He wasn't doing it because it was social protocols or conforming to some religious standards. He wasn't doing any of that. He was, he was doing what the Father asked him to do, and he was exemplifying the, God, the Father's law in, in perfection. He didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And so when he lived in community with these boys, intimately, and ladies, intimately, day after day after day, that, was, that wasn't because he had to, that's because he wanted to. And so should we. He was giving us an example. Day after day, they, they, met to, they met together in each other's home and broke bread together. You know, this, this is, this is the, the following of Christ. This is what it looks like. So we also discover here that it is a journey of discovery or discovering the mystery of God, who is Christ Jesus. If you read Colossians, that's where I'm at in my quiet time. In Colossians, it says that the mystery of God, I mean, we know the Old Testament can be pretty... I mean, especially we don't have the, the understanding of the New Testament or our hindsight. But like the mystery of God is told to us in Colossians as being Christ Jesus. That is, you know, every, every promise is made yes in Jesus. Jesus is the, the pinnacle fruition of, of all of God's prophetic work. And so here we see that the mystery of God is Christ revealed. Right. And so what it's a, but it's a progressive, as I've already mentioned, it's a progressive work that we that is done through the spirit by the word. Right. Peter knew his name, but he didn't did not know his identity. Sanctification is a race marked out with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Like it's a race that's marked out, but it's it's he's the one empowering the journey. He's the one directing the journey. He's the one. I mean, he's the one. Right. And, and we get to participate with him. We get to we have the joy of his presence. I'll give you some scriptures to kind of back all this up. Romans ten seventeen, which I've already mentioned. So faith in him, by the way, comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's where faith originates. Uh, J- Jesus prayed in John seventeen seventeen. He said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. That's how we're sanctified, right? Um, look, look with me. And, and here's a point to this. This is why we dwell. This is what dwell is all about. So that we might know and grow. Right? That's, that's what we experience in the work and the ministry and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We get to know Christ and we grow in Christ. And so that's the beauty. That's the importance of dwell. One thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken. I mean, God tells us, Jesus is God, and he tells us that one thing is necessary. 
Martha thought there were a lot of things that were necessary in that moment. And so can we. We can think, oh, I got to prepare this meal and I got to do this and I got to do this. And I got, I got, you know, we got a list of to do's, right? And, and really we're, we're beings. We're called to be with him and dwell with him. In, in second, second Thessalonians 2.13, it says this to the same point. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, Paul says, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved in that particular region. And then he says this through sanctification by the what? And belief in the. Do you see it? You want to know how you grow to maturity in the Lord is you you live under the, 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 the word and you keep in step with the. Spirit. And trust me, he's going to lead you into trials, roads marked with suffering, narrow paths, but he's going to be with you and he's going to give you every resource you need to get through it. Will you face temptation along the way? Yes. But first Corinthians ten thirteen says that he will always be faithful and he will provide a way out. So we just need to look for the, the promise of, and the provision that God has promised. Ask God for the Holy Spirit. He gives good gifts. You remember this passage where Jesus says, though you were evil, talking to dads, though you were evil, you know how to give good gifts. He says that much more as my heavenly father give the good gifts to those who ask him. And in Luke, it says the Holy Spirit. You know, I believe that there are believers like folks that really believe that Jesus is 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 Lord and king. And and I believe that he rose from the dead that are yet to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit because they've not asked for God to do that work. We see it in the book of Acts, right? So like, I mean, like asking God to put his sweet deposit in us, to seal us for eternity, to deem us the bride of Christ, right? I mean, it's a work. I mean, God knows our hearts and and he wants us to seek, knock and ask for, for all good gifts. Verse 21 and 22 continues, and he says, it says, he strictly commanded and, excuse me, charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, and here it is, listen, the Son of Man, who's he referring to? Himself, must, must suffer many things. Now, if you're a disciple, what did you just hear? I must suffer many things. Because he's my teacher, rabbi. He's my, he's my Lord and master. And if I'm going to be like him, I've got to follow him. And so this is what first century Jewish disciple ears would hear. The son, now, listen, is that what they expected? Is that what they wanted? Is it what we expect sometimes? Is it what we want sometimes? No, the narrow path is narrow for our benefit, for our witness, in order for our, our, our life in Christ to be depicted with clarity, right? And so he says to them, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, must suffer many things and be rejected. Is that a part of the Christian life? Blessed are those who are insulted and, 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 and rejected because of my name, right? We, we hear this over and over again, like in First Peter chapter 2 and 3, 2, uh, it says that we're actually called to this. We're called to a life of, like it's part of our calling to follow Christ in this road that's marked with suffering. So like, but guys, it's not about the suffering. It's about what the suffering produces in us. 
It's about the maturity that God is looking. No pain, no gain. That's the concept is that I'm training you. I'm actually training you out of you so I can put more of me in you. Right? And you, our part in that is we have to let go of me so that we can embrace all of him. Does that make sense? Like that's what he's doing. Because look, God doesn't do anything that's not good and loving, kind and gentle. And like, so when we face things that are hard and difficult, either it's discipline, right? God's permitted it. It's either discipline, right? It's not punishment because Jesus took all of that, right? If you're a saint. Now, if you're not a saint, the, the wrath of God is being poured out on you. That's fact. Right. But 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 for the saint, like God is good. Your father is just sharing his holiness and righteousness with you. Right. He is. He's pruning you. Could, could pruning be painful? You know, what it says in John 15, three says that even if you're fruitful, like fruitful, that 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 God, the father is going to prune you for greater fruitfulness. Do we do we see agricultural um, examples that pruning is healthy and necessary? And can we trust that God knows when to do that? Does it hurt? Is it hard? And let me speak to something else. Like when, when people are being cut back or pruned, right? Please don't judge because you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what's going on. I mean, that's a painful moment in their life. What is our role there? Love, support, encourage, pray for, come alongside. Right? Like God, God might be up to a good work. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. Job and his friends. Come on, Job. You, you know, you had sin. You know, you must ascend, Job. Like, you know, you're just being too prideful here. You know, God rebukes those boys for, for inaccurate perspective. I mean, the disciples did the same thing, right? They saw a guy, poor guy. He's, I, I don't remember if he's lame or, or blind, but he's got some pretty tough circumstances. And this is what the disciples asked Jesus. So who sinned, his dad or him, that he's in that circumstance? And you know what Jesus basically says? Look, you're all sick. You're all broken. And it's not that anybody's facing punishment because of sin. Ultimately, that's a that's a global experience. Right. It's that that he says this, that God might be glorified in it, through it, for it. All right. So when you're facing tough times, what is what is God's? It's clearly we're told there. What's his agenda? That God might be glorified. Find a way to glorify God in it. Sing, sing a song. In the midst of the storm, because that really testifies to who you love and depend on in that moment. But he was rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes. And he said, I'm going to be killed. Like he knew all this. He knew what he was. You know, Jesus knew what he signed up before before he, he was in a manger. Right before the foundation of the earth, Christ was crucified. He came knowing. And yet we hear in Hebrews that it was for the joy set before him. Trust me, it wasn't the cross. We know that from the garden confession, right? It was you. It was you. That's the joy set before him. And guys, that's the whole premise. That's one of the biggest premises in this whole passage is why do we suffer for the benefit of others? Why does a mother willingly go through the labor and the pain and all that goes involved in giving birth to that baby? Right? Because of love. I'll give you a quick illustration because I'm probably getting low on time. But like... um, so the other day, I, 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 for, for a brief moment, it wasn't yesterday, but a previous Sunday, I was watching the Green Bay Packers play. And, I, and the temperature was five degrees, but like yesterday, you know, the temperature was 12, felt like zero is what it said, right? So like, um, and then you look around the stadium and there's like, 
packed, right? I mean, like packed stadium. And they've probably been there two hours before the game, might be there a few moments after the game. And the game's three, three and a half hours long. And they're, they're in there and they're like, you know, I mean, freezing. But man, they're there, right? Because they love, they love the Green Bay Packers. And does, do the Green Bay Packers know them? I mean, if they were something going on in their life, are they going to step in and help out? Right? But, but and they're willing to suffer that. I mean, she and I went to my niece's. You remember yesterday, right? Morning. Right? Mid-afternoon, all that. Spitty rain, 40-some degrees, all of that. Well, my, my niece Hannah had a swim meet at, at, at Spa at St. Pete Aquatic Center, right? Downtown. And, um, and so, man, we're there, right? We're, we're, we're cheering her on. And, you know, it's like half hour between, you know, so I, I'm, I signed up for my lunch hour, which is an hour and a half. And, and it's, you know, and you're standing there. And, and seriously, when I left, my fingertips were like pins and needles. I couldn't feel them. You know what I mean? Like my feet feel wet, but they're just cold, right? You know, like, but, but why am I there? Because I love Hannah, right? And you don't even put it in the category of suffering, because I'm there to, to, to show her my love and support, right? I mean, and you could say the same thing tr- is true for the Green Bay Packer fan, right? But guys, how much more for our Jesus? I mean, like, today's a little bit cold, right? I bet some people just stayed in bed. Yeah, you know, it's, it's cold. feels good here, right? I mean, like, like, until we understand that Jesus is saying, like, I suffered for you, so that you could, you know, for your benefit. Like, why do we suffer? It's not to suffer. It's so that others might get saved. That's why, that's the joy that was set before Jesus. That's the benefit of our suffering. And, and, and do you believe that we have benefit in it too? Because we're told it, it says, count it pure joy, my brothers. James 1, 2 through 4. When you face trials of many kinds, because you know, you know, oida, like you are convinced that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you are what? Mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That's what God wants for you. But you know what the, the pathway to that is? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard. How do, it, he's just working us out of us, right? He's, it's surgery. But here's the other part of it. We, we, I love this part. There's two things I want to share with you in this. One, we're told that this is how we grow in intimate fellowship with Jesus is through sharing in his sufferings. And then Paul says crazy stuff all the time, right? And he says this. He says, I am filling up in my body what was lacking in the cross, in the sufferings of Christ, for the benefit of the church. And don't we see, and if you want to look at the list, look in 2 Corinthians 11. Paul lists all the things he's been through. I mean, it's, you, you, nobody wants to go through that stuff, right? But Paul, he says, willingly, generously, faithfully, lovingly, focused on Christly, went through all of that list because he says, for your speaking to the church, for you, so that you might know him, that you might get saved, that you might grow up in him. And guys, are, are you suffering for your brothers and sisters? Because you love them. Isn't that what parents do? And they don't even call it suffering. When you love, it's not suffering, it's it's sacrifice, and it's 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 a it's a, it's a pleasure. It's it's it almost seems obvious. It's what it's what a, a loving heart does. For God so loved the world that He gave, right? And and then we get to kind of get a sense of this 
this glorious God that we know and love and serve. Let me, let me make some observations here. This was the pinnacle of God's plan of redemption here. Right? This was, this was it. This was, this was all the promises coming to yes. The problem was, this was not Peter's plan. We know, because the passage goes on to say that, that get this, can you, can, you, can you take this in for a moment? Peter rebukes Jesus. Uh, no, this, this isn't a good idea, Lord. Go into Jerusalem, they'll probably kill you there. Um, get behind me, Satan. That's exactly what God wants me to do. That's the Father's plan. Man, <laughs> the problem was, this was not Peter's plan. A disciple is to follow or become like his teacher. Suffering many things and being rejected was not what Peter had in mind when following Jesus. What about you? What did you sign up for? Fire insurance? Forgiveness of sins? That's legitimate. Like He's promised those things. But, but, But he's also promised other things. That in this world you will have troubles. That I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Like that, that this is a road marked with suffering. That follow me. And then he showed you what that, where that's headed. Right? I mean, that, that, that's what, that's what the, these disciples heard when Jesus said, the Son of Man must suffer many things. Be rejected by the Sanhedrin. Be killed. But, but don't miss this. After three days, he's coming back. He's coming back. See, we are promised that in this life we will have trouble, persecution, rejection, suffering, trials of many kinds. The list is long and hard, just, as, just like the path. But we are also promised that it will be worth it and that he will be with us and that there's a peace that passes all understanding, that there's a love that satisfies your soul. And as I mentioned earlier, man, I don't know about you, but there is no turning back in me. Like I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and this world has nothing for me. Nothing. And so, you know, what what did Peter say? Where else can I go? You have the words to eternal life. Right? So listen to what Matthew's account of this says in verses 22 and 23. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Yes, this is Jesus he's rebuking, by the way. Okay? Saying, far be it from you, Lord... And it's not that he doesn't know who he is. He's called him here Lord, right? This shall never happen to you. Do you ever do this to the Lord? Because probably in a superficial way, you're saying, no, I would never do that. Let's look a little deeper here. But he, being Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, I've heard people preach this, that he was talking to Satan over his shoulder and all this foolishness. He's talking to Peter. It says right there, he said to Peter, right? You are a hindrance to me. He's talking to Peter. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. This was Cephas. This was the rock. This was the one that he was going to accomplish his great purpose through. Now, is that not encouraging to you on a, some weird level? That we can, we can make great professions of faith, and then in the next very moment, we can rebuke God? Because it's a journey and a process of getting to know this Jesus that, that demands our allegiance. You know, it, 
it's T- Toby Mac sings an awesome song. It's a little older, but it's good. And um, it talks about being a backseat driver. Are you a backseat driver? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we, we, we say, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, like, it's yours, Lord. And then, and then we're, we're kind of back here going, um, Lord, we're not going to do that. We're not going there, or I'm not going there. I don't know about you, but I'm not going, you know. I mean, Peter, Peter was a backseat driver. Peter rebuked God and his plan. I, I think that we can be guilty. Often his plans include suffering in this world and our plans being changed. Ever experienced any of that? Right? And here's the thing. Like, we, we need to be in a place like Jesus modeled all of this for us, by the way, as he always does everything he teaches. He gets in the garden and he says what? Not my will, but your will. But first he asked that God would take the ultimate cup from him. The wrath that was due, the sin of all humanity. Now, we can kind of sympathize why, why Jesus would ask such things, much less the separation that he would, he would feel for us. Not, not have, but feel for us. Because the Father never left him. But here's the thing. What, do we rebuke God when he wants to lead us on paths that aren't in our plans? And are we willing to just say, God, I trust you. I'm willing to go wherever you lead. I mean, I think we'll sing it. And we'll say it. Have you given the Lord full reign of your life? Knowing this narrow path is hard. Are you all in? Are you all in? You know, I think of a a poker illustration here. You know, like just pushing the chips in, right? And and in this case, the hand isn't going to win you much. Right? But you're still going to push all the chips in because you know that the promises are good. Right? It's worth... And, and in one of the things that we discussed this at Men's Breakfast on Friday morning, I love what Amir said. He said, think about what all those chips represent. My security and money. My, my family. My friends. You know, like, the list is long, right? And, and my question to you this morning is, have, have, you, have you pushed it all in? Have you gone all in on Jesus? Because look, he's not interested in half-hearted followers. He's told us to count the cost. He said, you know, I'm the pearl of the the kingdom. It's the pearl of great price. It's worth selling everything and buying it all. You know, and and that's the question that's being asked in this moment. I love this. I I came across this this week. Uh, Self-preservation is Satan's plan as well as success in a worldly sense. In fact, that was a thought that I had. If... If you want to be first in the kingdom, you seek to be last and a servant. We're called to humble ourselves. Deny ourselves. Right? This is, this is the precursor to, to even following him, even doing what he's going to ask you to do for the benefit of others. You've got to let go of you. Right? Paul said to the church in Philippi, he said this. He said this in chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, in humility consider others better than yourself. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others, having the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but made himself nothing, taking on the very form of a servant, Being made in human likeness, he became obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. Guys, we sang it this morning. Did Jesus deserve death on a cross? He died for your sin, your sin, willingly, because that's what the Father's love does and did for you in order to ransom and free you from all of the captivity of those chips that we're so holding on to. It's, it's, it's interesting. Worldly wealth and security is not your pursuit. He is. That's ideal. Let me read this verse to you. 1 Timothy 6, 6-10 through 10 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root to all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Jesus said this, and he pulls the, after he says, he rebukes Peter, he pulls them over and he says this, if anyone would come after me as my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it or save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? This, this is the call of Christ, right? I want you to, I'm going to challenge you. Go online. I've, I've put additional notes online for what it means to deny ourselves. I would really hope that you would spend some time looking at the notes on our webpage on the sermon side and what it means to take up our cross daily. Um, I, I've got all that outlined for you, additional scriptures. I want you to take a peek at that this afternoon if you get a chance. And then many of you um, are familiar with the rich young ruler. Um, I think it's interesting that he was rich, that he was young, and that he was a ruler. These are the things the world craves and runs after, right? And yet he comes to Jesus and, and he knows. He says, I've done everything that the law requires. Everything. I've sought God through the principles and precepts that he has, he's offered. And yet I don't feel the life. I, there's something that's lacking in me. And Jesus tells him to, to obey the commandments. He says he's done that since he was a boy. And then he says, there is something you lack. He says, to this specific heart, because of the idols in that heart, he says, I want you to sell all that you have. I want you then to distribute it to the poor, and then I want you to come follow me. Much like we saw with Matthew. And you know what it says in the passage? It says that he was saddened deeply because he was a man of great wealth. And then Jesus said these words. He says, it's, it's easier for a, a man, a camel, to pass through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and basically, th- th- this is not an illustration about a city gate in Jerusalem. If you've heard that, you know, th- th- the illustration works because we've got to shed everything to get down on our knees and get through. Um, but it's, it's, it, 
it, it leaves it short. Jesus says this, what's completely impossible for man is possible with God. Right? Because the Jewish mindset was this. If you have money, power, and you're a young guy, you got the world by the tail, and that's an indicator that you are blessed by God. You are righteous. Right? Because God has blessed you. And Jesus was unpacking all of those misconceptions. And he was saying that, you know, what you ultimately need is me. I'm the only one that can satisfy your soul. Only one. I, I don't know where you're at this morning, but God does. Knows you intimately, knows you by name, number of hairs on your head. And he knows where your heart is as it relates to him. And this is a, this is a call to saint and sinner alike. It's time to be all in. Jesus is calling you to that degree of commitment. Don't let fear win. Choose to go all in. And so I'm going to ask you this morning before we close in prayer, if, if, if you are saint or sinner and you just want to follow Jesus today, you want to push the chips in and say, look, I've been holding back in some area of my life or I've been holding back my life and I'm ready to, to, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to dive headfirst into the deep end. If that's you this morning, would you just stand? Would you just stand? Praise the Lord. I'm standing with you. Let's pray. Father, I am. I love you, Lord. I love, I love your call on our life. I love that, that you first chose us and you first loved us. That you have, you have asked us to, to step out, to go into deep waters. You've asked us to walk a narrow path that's hard. You've asked us to follow you. And in, in doing that, you've asked us to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. Lord, what I pray, I pray for each heart and soul that's here that you would rescue them from selfishness, that you would rescue them from their plans and, and rebuking you at uh, the things that you want to do. Lord, that you would open our hearts to, um, to, a, to a surrendered life that, uh, that trusts you at every turn and every corner and every promise that you make. Uh, Father, I, I, I pray that, uh, that we would constantly repent that we would, we would produce fruit in keeping with repentance, that we would walk away from sin that so easily entangles and the weight that holds us back from running this race with perseverance that's marked out for us. I pray, Father, that you would speak life and surrender and, and healing and salvation over each heart that has stood today in their declaration to follow you and to be all in. And Lord God, I pray in this moment, I ask, that you would pour out your sweet spirit in each one of these hearts that has stood today. Pour it out in a, if it's a saint, I pray you'd fill them up. If it's a, if it's a sinner, I pray you'd baptize them in your sweet spirit and that you would make them a new creation. Father, I pray that you would do this glorious work. Why? Because you are the only one who can. And our trust is in you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.